the greatest accomplishments I've ever had have been on the other side of injury, pregnancy, and diagnosis. Every single incredible thing I've accomplished has been on the other side of the three greatest setbacks I faced as an adult. And so that's just to say, sometimes slow and steady works. And sometimes as you gain confidence and strength, your capability does expand. I've followed Shelby Copeland for a long time, watching her swinging, jumping, doing amazing things requiring great strength, and thought how lucky she was to have a body that works so well. But I remember the day when I read a frank post from her about what brought her to that point, and in particular about her journey with hypermobility, like me. It amazed me that she was able to do the things she could, and I instantly reached out to her, not thinking that if she can, maybe I can, but rather look at what a great example she is and how important it is that she shares her journey. So I'm really pleased to get to talk to her properly about natural movement and so much more today on the Make Movement Matter podcast. We started on our common ground, natural movement, and I asked her what she feels the benefits of training in this way are, and particularly the benefits she sees for the clients that she works with. Yeah. So natural movement, I think, is just such a wonderful uh, fitness modality because it's so practical. Um, so many of the movement patterns are things that we've all done at some point in our life, whether it was crawling. Hopefully we crawled. Um, I didn't. You didn't? No. Oh, so just interesting. sorry to interject straight away, yeah. but I didn't. I bum shuffled. So I oh. missed the crawling stage. And I've always wondered if that had something to do with my the my back and so on issues oh. and, uh, and missing that developmental step, but who knows, continue. <laughs> yes, and you're not alone. Some folks did yes. skip crawling and, you know, there's some theories about how that looks down the road. Yeah. Um, but so maybe crawling isn't the best example, but, you know, <laughs> the things we did as children, hanging from trees or monkey bars, jumping without giving it a second thought, um, being able to turn turn, you know, with ease, without even um, thinking about our, our movements being inhibited in any way. Um, I, I love how natural movement, it, it provides an opportunity to reawaken these movement patterns, patterns that perhaps were there and we just haven't used it in a while. And it's also um, a wonderful way to educate and teach new patterns. Um, so I and I just love how it shows up in life in so many ways. So whether it's lifting a cast iron pan out of the oven and doing it in a way that doesn't hurt your wrist or um, being able to step over a fallen tree on the path on a hike. So I love the practicality of it. I love how universal it is. Um, there's so many things about natural movement that can be adapted or modified based on injury, ability. Um, strength level so it really is for everyone and i love that absolutely i could not agree more <laughs> and so what are who are the sort of typical clients that you work with yeah i have a very wide range of folks that i work with in fact the age range of the people i work with are zero to 85 so oh, huge wow. age range yeah so um on the younger end i work with children and caregivers in a library setting and we do something called movement exploration and we kind of set up an open play area where it provides a lot of different movement opportunities so crawling balancing we have a ring that we set up the kids can in swing the from in the library Love that. and it is very popular we have like we pack that room with people and i think people just need like a place like an open space to take risks yeah. and practice different kinds of movements and I and, think that and oh, is, sorry can I ask is that um the adults with the children at the same time that's the idea yeah um, really <laughs> not always the case I suspect. not always the case and yeah so caregivers tend to kind of hang back and the kids are kind of in the center but we as we design the space we really do try to model adults being in the main area as well and kind of provide opportunities that are appropriate for adults as well like equipment yeah. that's stable enough and stuff like that um but yeah it's it's interesting when you get into a multi-age space you really need to have modeling happening so you yeah. need an, an adult out there playing for other and adults to come play and often um adults have um 
become a little bit more embarrassed about um, movement. They don't want to particularly be the one who is showing what they can and can't do. There's more competition where kids are not in that space at all. They're just go for it. So I can I can really see that. And actually, um, when I was bringing up my kids when they were younger, um, I was at the park um, and I was sat at the side and I was chatting with other mums. I wasn't getting involved yeah. and having my journey in finding natural movement I do regret that and mm. um obviously I got involved in in uh, lots of times in lots of other ways but there were many times that I now look back and think I really wish I had um and in fact I posted a video a year or so ago of me and my I think about at the time 15 year old son both on a play park mm-hmm. going around and playing because we both looked a bit kind of the wrong size for the park and yet we were having a great time and I think that's the important thing, isn't it? But, it, you know, social norms tend to press on us that, um, you know, adults don't do that. So it's great that you're, you know, you're trying to mm-hmm. to get that uh, and in a library of all places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's wonderful. I think that, you know, you're, what you're touching on is something I'm noticing kind of as an emerging theme is I think uh, parks and rec departments, libraries, um, even like, you know, just I think there's more interest in like adult play and um, making space for it. And I think that um, spaces and environments are becoming more friendly for adults who want to play. So park, you know, I've noticed some park equipment is a little bit taller, like at middle schools, um, because it's more appropriate for a a bigger person. Um, The library, when they installed their children's section, all the flooring is soft. So they were anticipating you know, people playing there. Impact. Yes. Yeah. So I've been noticing just kind of the environment seems to be kind of uh, changing and making more space for movement, which I think is wonderful. Um, But to your point about multi-age play and like, so what's socially acceptable and what's not, um, we'll talk about this later, but I host a class called Parkour for Seniors and it's for adults who are over the age of 50. And we, we train outside and we train at a park. And one of the most wonderful things about training outside with a group of uh, adults from age 50 to 85 is children watch and they notice and they're really interested in adults they moving. they get involved. Yes. Yeah. We have children who kind of, they stand to the side and they kind of model, um, they kind of mimic what we're doing. Some kids come and challenge us. They offer challenges like <laughs> do the monkey bars this way, you know? Yeah. And um, so, and then some kids, they ask for like homework, they're like, give me a challenge. So then we come up with like a challenge for them, but it's all because they're watching. Yeah. Um, grownups be comfortable in this space yeah. and move in this space and be welcome in this space. Um, it's one of the most lovely things about training at parks is the exchange of kind of ideas that happens. You're, um, you're reminding me of when I did my um, second level one. So my recertification of MoveNet that we're both certified in. I'm a level one. You're an amazing level three. <laughs> and um, I remember we were uh, we just had people constantly sort of staring at us, um, mm. moving around in the park, um, but also coming up and asking. And they were so intrigued to see us all crawling around and balancing and clearly enjoying ourselves, even mm-hmm. though people were being tested, it was mm-hmm. still lots of fun. Um, so you could see people's interest. So many people were interested. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm mainly online and I would love to do more in person and locally. Um, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully we'll get to that at some point. Um, that's why I really want to talk to you about the park or for seniors mm-hmm. particularly because that'll be me this year. I'm 50 this year. And I've never thought of myself as a senior, but anyway. Yeah. It's a general (laughs) term. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But um, I think the huge benefit of that is that, yeah, people see you and they're tempted and they're interested. And by showing other people that you're happy and enjoying yourself, they want to join in. And and that gives them confidence because they, mm-hmm. they can sort of, it's a bit like if you've never done something before, you kind of want to see it happening first so that you can sort of just assess it and measure it. Um, mm-hmm. And so therefore what you're doing in open spaces is clearly having an effect. And given the numbers, as you say, in your library event, mm-hmm. um, word spreads. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah, superb. Okay, yeah. so. Tell me a little bit. So I've just mentioned MoveNat mm-hmm. um, and 
So level one is a great place to be for me uh, and works really well. But to get to level three, which you are, um, and quite, I would say there are very few uh, female level threes, mm -hmm. um, takes a lot of effort, a lot of work, um, and a lot of strength and skill. Um, and I'm sure you're, I hope you're very proud of your certification because it really is an amazing, amazing achievement. Thank you. Um, and I've watched you for such a long time doing these crazy things that I see on Instagram. But um, this isn't the whole story. This isn't mm -hmm. you sort of made in 10 minutes, is it? You've had um, a story that's brought you into natural movement. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I was a sedentary adult. Um, I never did sports as a kid. I never, just never was interested in movement or sports of any kind. Um, until the age of 25, when one day a friend of mine invited me to go Great Lakes surfing. So we have the big lakes here in the Midwest in the United States. And with wind, you can get waves big enough to surf on on fresh water. So wow. I was like, wow, sure. I've never done anything like this. I was very out of shape, but I went and I got so exhausted paddling out on the board. I couldn't even do it. I was so, oh, so just out of shape. getting there. Not yep. even trying. Couldn't even, couldn't even get out. Yeah. So I like lit a fire in me to like, I was unprepared to go do this cool opportunity, this cool thing. I need to get stronger. So I'm prepared. Like if another fun opportunity comes my way. So I don't even know. I think I got like some DVD from the internet uh, about like surfing stronger. <laughs> and I like did the workouts and, um, you know, made a little progress, but it, it was ultimately through an invitation uh, through a friend to come train at their gym. And I remember I didn't own workout clothes. I had pajamas. I, <laughs> I, so I wore pajamas to the gym. Cause I was like, I don't know what you wear to the gym. I am not going to go buy something. Um, and I just trained like once or twice a week. And it was my first entry point into fitness and immediately felt better, immediately felt a difference in my body. Um, leading up to that, I had lots of chronic pain, neck issues, um, pelvic floor pain, and just like feeling very weak and like fatigued often. And it wasn't until I started getting stronger. I'm like, oh, I can feel better. I can. These things are fixable. And right. like pretty quickly, uh, I felt a difference in my body. And I like to the point where I hadn't even realized I was feeling bad. You know what I mean? Um, so all that to say, uh, one thing led to another. And I learned about the sport of ninja. So ninja is an organized sport. Um, if you've ever seen the show American Ninja Warrior, oh, yes. uh, it's kind of like that. But there are local leagues where you can participate in competitions that occur at different ninja gyms throughout the country. Um, so I entered a ninja competition without ever having trained ninja. Didn't even know it was a sport. I signed up for this competition. I was one year postpartum uh, and I was so slow, but I won. <laughs> I won. I won my category and I was like, wow. Oh my goodness. Cool. Um, and then I just fell in love with ninja. And so ninja incorporates lots of upper body strength. So tons of like monkey bars, swinging, like laches, um, lots of upper body stuff. So running up walls and hanging running up walls yourself up. yeah the famous wall oh. yes the work wall yep and then lots of kind of weird balance things like very yeah. odd challenging balance on things. moving uh things often and water exactly is it, is, is it over water this one or not is the, it water? the show is over water yes yes, yes. um <laughs> So I started training, I kind of built, like, became a part of the ninja community here in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I trained in my friend's ninja basement, you know, it was just like a fun, wow. wild ride. But then pretty quickly, it became apparent that I was getting overuse injuries. Um, okay. I started having shoulder issues. And I learned that I just like wasn't strong enough to be doing the things I was doing. So, um, so did you, so you, when you won, did you think, um, Oh, I, I, I could be quite good at this. Did it give you that sort of sense of, you know, I could do more than this, um, and it, especially if I trained, Absolutely. and therefore spurred you on? Yeah. Yes, and but, you know, but did you oh, also then have the, um, the thought which, I think I probably did until, uh, until I got 
personally got injured at 40, I think right up until then, even though there are so many signs, I think I still thought, yeah, of course my body can do that. I've, mm-hmm. I've got to work hard, but I'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I sort of wasn't taking my body as seriously as I should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think for me, it's be, it was unfamiliar territory. I'd never trained before. I'd never been in a sport before. I'd never kind of gone through the process of building strength. And so I think in my mind, I was just trying to get to the goal as quickly as possible and get better right. to your point. Um, yeah. But I, I think I just didn't understand a sustainable process to do that. And now in hindsight, I, if I was my coach, I would have changed so many things about what I did <laughs> because I, you know, it's whatever, 10 years past that point. Um, but at the time I just wanted to get stronger as fast as I could. So I overtrained and um, as a hypermobile person, I loaded tissues too quickly that weren't ready to do what I was demanding of them. And at that point, did you know you were hypermobile? I did not. Right. I did not. So the, so the kind of the next chapter of the story is started training really hard. Um, I have a lot of natural talent. I found out I have amazing natural upper body strength. And as a kid, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, Oh, I loved climbing trees. I loved doing like, playground pull-ups I loved you know anything that was like involved in climbing so I'm like oh cool maybe I'm just kind of naturally inclined to loving these things um but yeah as I started experiencing overuse injury stuff I started experiencing like systemic chronic pain and I think my body just like was like hey we're gonna send you some signals something needs to change so lots of soft tissue pain uh joint pain and it, it got to the point where like I was losing function in like day-to-day activities. Like I remember there was a day I couldn't even lift up my kid out of her crib, out of her bed. I had to call a friend over to get my child out of her bed. Which and that, seeing the things that you do now is almost yeah. incomprehensible. You it's yeah. 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 And it was it was like this interesting disconnect in my brain because I was so determined to get better at the sport, but I was losing function in my life. So I it was, I would maybe say like borderline obsession is kind of mm-hmm. where I was at and, but neglecting the longevity, the care, the wisdom of like movement as a part of my life instead of here's movement, here are my goals. And then here's my life. Like yeah. I started, as I started experiencing injury and pain, I realized, uh Oh, I'm not looking at this correctly. I'm not looking at this in a balanced way. So that's where MoveNet enters the picture, actually. And how did you find out about MoveNet? Because um, I, I'm based in the UK, as you know, uh, it's it's not a big thing here, uh, <laughs> and even natural movement is not that big a thing. But um, in the US, I believe it is quite a lot bigger. Um, mm-hmm. And I I came to MoveNet through Katie Bowman, so and I actually came over to America and um, did a few days. A workshop with her before oh, cool. uh, that was bolted onto another holiday um it happened to be three days before so I saw it as a sign and it certainly was it was pivotal for the rest of my life Wonderful. Um, and that opened up the whole world to me and she actually recommended MoveNat to me hmm. um but yeah so how did you come across MoveNat? So very funny ironic uh there's a there was a MoveNat gym within biking distance of my home <laughs> Like there, so it is, and I would say MoveNet's not very well known here either. Like okay. there's probably per region in the United States, there's maybe like one or two gyms, right? Like it, it's just, it's, it's pretty niche. Not a lot of people yeah. know about it, uh, but okay. I just so happened to be within biking distance of a MoveNet gym. So, so and so, and I, I'm a mom, so I have two kids and um. I remember during my pregnancies, I kind of started researching MoveNat before I even knew there was a MoveNat gym in town. Because I was like, what can I do with my family? What can we do together? Like, how can we move like together? And what what are some movements that like I could do on the ground while my baby's crawling around and stuff? So I would kind of had heard of MoveNat before. Um, but then, you know, I, like a Google search, I'm like, there's a gym within biking distance of my house. Like, well, I got to go. I got to go. Um, so I arrived in the gym with shoulder in like a torn shoulder labrum, like chronic 
like nerve pain down my arms, like almost unable to even grip, all kinds of stuff going on. And met with Rock Hancock, the owner of Movenat Madison. And we just started um, working together and he started rehabbing me using Movenat. So a lot of crawling, a lot of closed chain work, um, and then just strength work because we pretty quickly realized I had a lot of gaps in my strength. And Can you I had explain been... what you mean by closed chain work for listeners? Yes. So ninja is open chain. So you're hanging, right? You're straight overhead with your arms, unsupported, hanging in the air. Closed chain is when you're making contact with a surface. So that could be the ground, that could be a wall, could even be like rowing with a bar or with rings, but you're you're kind of closing that angle and you're using a support rather than putting all that stress right on the shoulder joints. Yeah. 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 Okay. So MoveNet's such a great fit for closed chain work because of again, crawling, get ups. Um you know, lift, lifting and carrying, you know, it's yeah. just so thorough and so, um, again, practical. And I started, you know, where I had seen this disconnect between my movement world and my functional world. I feel like MoveNet started like whoo, bringing those together. together. And I, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And it was what I was looking for. It could integrate into my life. I didn't have to be the mom sitting on the park bench watching my kids play. I now had things I could be practicing. I had, yeah you know, kind of things like benchmarks that I was working towards and gave my movement some purpose and some direction. And it gave me ideas of how to engage with my kids and with my environment in new ways. So, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it is. But I, I, you're reminding me of um, a couple that I used to coach. Um, it was it was online, but um, they were they loved um, Mivnat and they they were they had all the kids. They both had their beams, even in their living room the things to carry and basically we just kind of I would tell them what type of obstacle course to make and I would have the same and then I would take them through things and the thing that I they both loved it the thing that I loved the most was that they would then message me and say that their kids would say on Saturday I want to do move nap today <laughs> because yeah. basically it's like jungle gym isn't it it's just yeah. you know if you want it to be it can be all about obstacle courses and things like that I don't do a lot of that with my clients because I'm doing basic level groundwork really trying to help sort of mobilize them and sort of rehab them from where they um ha have come from and mm -hmm. through life because they tend to be midlife and older but um mm -hmm. i myself do <laughs> love That's doing great. those things and so yeah. tell me um then you were starting to train with him he was rehabbing you and mm -hmm. presumably you saw lots of improvement oh yeah. um what is your relationship with him now? What, what yeah. how, how does it work now? If you see what I mean, yeah. are you still just a gym goer or is it a lot more? Yeah. So um, I started attending classes and unfortunately this is also during the pandemic. So a lot of gyms were closed, you know, um, it's kind of an odd time to engage with fitness. Um, and actually as a part of the pandemic project, my, my family built this like obstacle course in our garage called the shred amazing. shed so nice. we have i have seen it we have that amazing. um that's when the gyms closed we like kind of made our own gym but i started going to move nat madison just uh, as a student in the classes and as time went on i kind of started developing into more of um being mentored by rock so meeting with him shadowing him as he would work with students one-on-one -on -one, um watching him teach classes and then eventually starting to kind of co-facilitate co-lead classes so i really got to get some amazing hands-on experience with a movenat coach and there's not many of them so the fact that i got to shadow with really wonderful movenat coach was a really amazing gift and at which point in this process did you find out that you were hypermobile Yes. So as I started doing the rehab work with Rock, I was also really going through a little medical journey, <laughs> trying to figure out like, what's going on with my body? Why am I so fatigued? Why am I in so much pain? Uh, why does the pain move around? Like, why isn't it just the injured area? Like, yeah. why is it roaming? Um, so through that discovery process, we, we found that I was hypermobile and that also, um, I have chronic Lyme disease, so I manage right. chronic illness as well. Yep. And that can impact soft tissue and joints as well. So absolutely. Kind of so have chron and, and chronic fatigue syndrome then. 
yeah that that was just a side effect of yes. um the of the lime yep yeah yeah and it yeah. Uh, was that do you remember that being from a tick bite at some point yeah as a kid i was bit by a tick i had acute lime so we treated it with antibiotics and i had no symptoms but then um i had a series of events happen and the lime resurfaced yep after kind of a series of different um triggers i guess you could call it so went into a flare after years of remission um and learning how to manage that um i'm hopeful i can remain in remission yeah the rest of my life but it's always something i'll kind of manage but you're so much more aware of now because it's given you an explanation for the way you were feeling and and therefore I, I hope tools to work with it which yeah. is everything when you don't know mm-hmm. then you know you're in a darker place basically yeah absolutely and you know the silver linings i'm always really hesitant to say this especially to chronically ill people or people who are mm-hmm. hypermobile who kind of have to manage like an ongoing challenge yeah. it's always hard to be like oh the silver lining the gift of this illness you know that can not feel good sometimes <laughs> sometimes you're like i just don't really want to put a positive spin on this but to put a positive spin but on it's it it's about knowing yourself, <laughs> isn't it it's, yes. it's it yeah it's about knowing yourself and meeting yourself where you're at yeah. and clearly you've done that incredibly because mm-hmm. of um what you're achieving with your your body and so mm-hmm. to to for listeners to understand perhaps there are people out there who are hypermobile um, and don't know it. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about um, what hypermobility is? Yeah, so hypermobility is a constellation of traits. So it's not like a disease. It, it's kind of more like, do you have these traits? So some traits of folks with hypermobility will be, well, first of all, like really flexible joints. So do your elbows hyperextend? Can you bend your pinky or your thumb all the way back? Um, do your knees pop back? Can you touch the ground flat with your palms? You know, there's kind of these like tests you can do, yeah. um, but also like really stretchy skin. So like, especially on the neck, is your skin really velvety? <laughs> is it stretchy? Yeah. Especially when you're getting to nearly 50. Yeah, yes. <laughs> no, I know too. Yeah. Do you, do you bruise easily? Um, digestive issues, fatigue, um, but then, you know, a common one is is pain. So mm. joint pain, pelvic floor pain, foot pain, um, like neck pain, I think is also really common. And it can be kind of tricky to figure out um, because it is so similar to other, you know, diseases yeah. or illnesses or traits. Um, so thankfully, I, I was able to work with a physical therapist who specializes in hypermobility and Guess what? The golden ticket is strength. The golden Getting ticket stronger. Is strength. <laughs> strength. That's the golden ticket. It really is. That's so well said. And um, from my personal perspective, I really didn't understand that. But I think it's not just strength um, in the terms of I can lift a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much, um, as we were, as you were saying before, it's about functional strength. So it's very mm-hmm. much about how well you're aligned. Uh, my pelvis, uh, the reason I got into chronic pain mm-hmm. was definitely my hypermobility, then running on it for years, running further and further, enjoying it more and more, getting into mm-hmm. more and more pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there was a, a salient moment for me where I did a half marathon, it was the, the longest distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I rem- there was a little bit of video of me coming over the finish line that they send you with your number or whatever when it's tracked. And I remember... <laughs> watching the video and I knew I was very tired coming mm-hmm. over the line it was a lot for me um but I looked like a bag of jelly you know mm. you see people with great form mm-hmm. and then I saw me and I was like whoa I was mm. really tired yeah. I didn't realize at that point I, it wasn't just that I was really tired I literally was a bit of a bag of jelly mm. I wasn't at all well aligned I wasn't strong in functional patterns yeah. and obviously when you then have dysfunction and you run on it and there's huge yeah. impact, it all goes wrong. Yeah. Um, and I haven't run since, um, yeah. since about six months later when then it all went wrong for me. Um, I can run for the bus. I can run. I just mm-hmm. want to run distances. Yeah. I may come back to it after um, I'm postmenopausal, mm-hmm. but um, because for me, I'm far more likely to flare up or have issues when I am, um, um, an ovulatory at uh, mm-hmm. the ovulation section of my cycle or p- 
pre-menstrually yep, those are the same, two times same with I me <laughs> watch that I don't do something that I shouldn't or if I look back I sometimes think okay that makes sense mm-hmm. um, and even four years later I still did something just before Christmas I know how I did it I mm-hmm. looked at when I did it and yeah. and then it put me in a lot of pain and absolutely twisted my pelvis completely mm. the wrong way and left me with quite a significant flare-up, uh, the most significant flare-up I've had mm. since my pain and really scared me. It took me mentally back to mm-hmm. some very dark days. But I'm lucky I now have the tools. I went to see mm-hmm. someone. He helped to realign me. I'm now really working very hard on strengthening right back to basic functional patterns. Mm. Um, and the reason that I love um, natural movement is because it was so similar to the rehab I was doing. The mm-hmm. rehab that worked so well for me, there were so many overlaps. And so I mm. just thought, this makes sense. And this is why it's worked. It, it, uh, knowing that it had worked to recover me meant I knew this would work, like you're saying, for the long mm. term. This yeah. would be something I could keep doing with my kids and hopefully my parents and whatever but yeah. I'd keep doing um and so so um something that you're quite passionate about is working with your cycle whether you're hypermobile or not mm-hmm. um can you tell me a bit about that yes I'd love to um so this was a tool that I learned as I was rehabbing um to start first of all just paying attention to my menstrual cycle and to talk about it and to educate myself and um, talk about it, you know, as a community at the gym. And oddly enough, the person who educated me about my menstrual cycle and its impacts on my performance as an athlete was a male coach. It was rock. And, you know, I just, we always laugh about it. I'm like, why didn't some dude tell me about my period? Like, what? (laughs) Like, why? This should be different. We should have this, like, be mandatory education. Yeah. Um, Just brilliant that he did. Brilliant. Yeah. And and so, and I want to give him a shout out. He's actually developing this wonderful resource called, let me make sure I get the name right, um, Moving Through the Feminine Seasons. And it's a resource he's putting out there. And I think he's even going to start doing workshops around it about um, just empowering people with information and talking about, you know, like uh, menstrual cycle, health and fitness, and then perimenopause, menopause, you know, it was looking through kind of the whole, um, you know, the feminine seasons and how it kind of shifts and changes um, approach to movement for each of those phases. Yeah. So, and I have, I, I, I think that's great. Can't wait. Um, Because certainly I see things very differently. I'm absolutely in slap bang in in perimenopause. Um, And I've had symptoms. I've chosen to to take HRT because it's made me feel a lot better. It's been brilliant for my joints as well, which were Mm -hmm. really struggling. Um, But and and many other symptoms, Mm -hmm. Um, particularly insomnia, sudden crashing, horrific insomnia, Mm. which um, I just could not have lived with. Um, And it's not right for everyone, but it certainly has been right for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I also know that I have to be very careful. Not I'm still cyclical, so I, I have to be careful mm-hmm. from a hypermobility perspective about when I train. Um, yes. But I also know you can really, really exhaust yourself in quite a different way than 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it then multiplies. You don't mm-hmm. kind of bounce back in the same way. So really pacing and mm-hmm. having variety in the types of movement that I do is is really important and I hear it from everyone around me yeah. um, but also embracing the things that perhaps are um, some slower paced and, mm-hmm. and not putting the pressure on yourself so much um, and as the messages I talk about a lot as well that all movement is good movement and encouraging moving because yeah. you can see that you could start to sort of get restricted Mm-hmm. So um, that's brilliant that he's doing that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, you're a part of that as well. So we, he and I uh, developed a program called Move With Your Cycle. And what it is, is it's a program you can purchase through um, it's a marketplace platform called Train Heroic. And it is a program that the idea is um, you sync it up to your menstrual cycle. So if you're in the follicular, follicular phase, you are lifting heavy heavy weights, you're doing a lot of lapping and carrying. If you're in the luteal phase, you're doing skill work like vaulting and climbing skills. If you're in the menstrual phase, you're 
maybe doing a lot of breath work and walking and groundwork, ground movement. So that's something that we co-developed together and um, that is just out there. But Brilliant. We can link yeah. to that in the show notes. For oh, sure. great. That yeah. It could be really useful. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's actually a really wonderful starting place for people maybe who have been curious about MoveNet, but they're not sure where to start because it, it's just rich with all these fun MoveNet movements. Um, and it's very, it's varied. So to your point, um, also as a hypermobile person, I really have to vary my movement. Um, I cannot over-specialize. And that, that's something I learned where I went wrong with Ninja is I was right. over-specializing. And so I get actually a lot of like kind of confused looks and questions about my training where people are like, why aren't you training climbing more? Like, don't you want to be a climber? And I'm like, hey, I train once a week. That's, that's good for my body. You know, I'm going to progress slower than someone who's training four or five times a week. But my joints are happier yeah. when I progress really slow. And same thing with Ninja. I take a really long off season. So I try to take like a nine month off season. And then when I'm in my competition season, I just kind of suck it up. And I'm honestly in pain during my season. Right. Which is yeah. so telling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of um, professional athletes um, suffer the same mm -hmm. uh, because there is no choice when you're on that yeah. sort of treadmill. Um, mm -hmm. And while the goal of um, achieving competitions and so on is important, then mm -hmm. that's okay. As long as you're really aware yeah. um, how much you need to then nurture the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and obviously you work really hard to protect your body from mm -hmm. injury. So, yeah. um, and I'm sure if anything happened, you would respond straight away. Um, yeah. And and so um, given that it's only like a three month period then for, for mm -hmm. the ninja training, um, is that all locally or do you go around the country? Yeah, so the, I generally am, I stay in my region, um, but I'm hoping this year to make it to finals, right. national finals, where I'll travel out. Yes, I'll travel out to I think this year it's in L.A. So yeah. I would fly out there. So we'll see. That's in July. So. Yeah. No, it's absolutely fantastic. And and I love the fact that you're um, mixing lots of different um, ways of moving in your life. So you're you're training people, you're embracing movement, mm -hmm. you're also showing them that with the skill and the strength, you can be a ninja mm -hmm. if you want to be. Um, and you're showing you're a great example to your kids. Um, and let's talk about the parkour for seniors, because obviously, yeah. They're also seeing that and, and you're passing on like some, some skills and, and tricks. Um, yeah. So what are the um, type of people that come to you? Who's interested? Mm -hmm. Is it people who are already quite adventurous and, and mm -hmm. quite mobile? Or do you get people who are um, less so? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, the class that I co-teach is called Parkour for Seniors, and it's a parkour class for folks over the age of 50. Um, generally, the people that come to the class are going to be the adventurous people. Right. People who, you know, they're going through the catalog of the 50 plus fitness and they're like, "Ooh, what's that one? Looks weird. I'm going to do it. Um, so usually it's, it's kind of self-selecting and um, people who want to train outside. Some folks don't. Yeah. So um, this, this uh, session, we actually have a beginner's class that we've just added. So we've kind of divided it into intermediate and beginners. And beginners are people who are more hesitant or yeah. less sure of like, is this for me? Um, and that we're actually kind of hoping to grow more beginners because we, we actually feel like this modality isn't just for the adventurers. It's it's for I I think folks it's who more, are sedentary exactly. and deconditioned. Um, it's more powerful at mm -hmm. that end of the spectrum because you can make bigger change, presumably. Yes. Yeah. Increasing and people's confidence. Mm -hmm. Obviously, all their 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 natural skills they need of balance and strength and so on, all the obvious mm -hmm. ones. But yeah. more just getting people who are less likely to do something. So yeah, that's mm -hmm. but that's harder to target as well. It's harder yeah. to convince people. Again, word yeah. of mouth being great there. Yeah. Yeah. And so our hopes is we actually would love to, if we can go into like retirement communities and 
you know, hold classes there. Cause the nice thing about, um, this class is you don't necessarily need a lot of equipment. So when you think of parkour, maybe you think of like a, a specialty gym, or maybe you think of like a cool park with like all these benches and stuff. Really all you need is like some chairs, maybe some tape to like put a line on the floor yeah. and tennis balls and some creativity. That's really yeah. all you need. Um, Cause a lot of what we do is, is tissue prep, tissue right. preparation. So right. You know, getting people to lift their heel off the ground, to put weight into the ball of their foot, getting people to find a strong squat position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of preparing the hand as well. Yeah. So if you think about like fall prevention and falling, if you fall, you're probably going to, you know, catch yourself with your hand first. So if you tent your fingers, you're going to maybe damage a ligament, but you're going to hurt your wrist. So we, we teach people how to like, absorb force and, through and the hand you will often see uh older people with that that sort of wrist cover because mm-hmm. from falls it's the first thing that takes the impact yeah. isn't it and often yeah. when people don't concertina nicely through their body because they're not relaxed or they, mm-hmm. they're falling almost from a greater height yeah they, yeah. they take the hit through the wrist and yeah i think yeah. it's one of the most common injuries yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we even do uh, like break falls in our class. So we, we just straight up teach people how to fall and then we practice falling because yeah. I think so many people have just so much fear around yeah. falling. Yeah. So once you practice it a few times, you're like, oh, I protected my head or like, oh, I didn't hurt myself like that. That went OK. Um, it's, it's empowering to practice it's... falling, which sounds counterintuitive. <laughs> not uh, I totally in fact I was doing it in my class on Wednesday with my um, online clients and you can do it to whatever level you want so mm-hmm. you can uh, allow a little fall where you're just taking a little bit of impact through your wrist you can go one way the other way and the point is to try mm-hmm. always but it's more as you say it's more about the sort of allowing a little bit of falling mm-hmm. it makes you think oh that's not so bad and I mm-hmm. also when I talk when I teach rocking I'm always talking about keeping mm. the head in not just to make it a smoother ride through your spine mm-hmm. but also so that if you fall in this way yeah. you hopefully have that automatic pattern where you pull the head in you protect mm-hmm. your head from from bashing against the ground oh yeah um, it's so good and it's all that practicality isn't it again it's that yeah. those these movements so it's not just for functionality it's for safety mm-hmm. as well yeah um, yeah. yeah so so useful I'd love to see more of your parkour for seniors so please yeah. video more and post it so that we can see because uh, I would it's something I would really love to do myself um, yeah especially we, now that I am as nearly a senior <laughs> yeah we will be sharing and I will say so the the curriculum that we're using is based largely on a curriculum called PK silver so PK is a way to shorten the word parkour so PK Silver was developed by a group called PK Move, and they were offering trainings that you could take and be certified as an instructor. So mm-hmm. that curricul- curriculum is out there. There's lots of beautiful oh. videos out there. Okay. If you look up PK Move, you can find all those resources. It's really good. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, I, I'm going to definitely get that from you. Um, if, yeah. I, if I don't remember, that's fantastic. Well, I, I, it's been lovely talking to you. I, I would like to sort of get a couple of pearls of wisdom before you go um what about people who realize they're hypermobile um Mm -hmm. and um not sure where they start with Mm -hmm. strength training so a little bit of Mm -hmm. advice um for them um and then another one about um seniors so let's Mm say in your terms 50 plus yeah um, (laughs) and um and sort of some words of encouragement for them to try something like parkour for seniors mm-hmm. or something that is slightly out of their comfort zone. So starting yeah. with uh, with people with hypermobility. Sure. Yeah. So I'd say with people with hypermobility, the first thing maybe to let go of is doing movement that looks like a sport for a time. So to let go of like movement has to be ultimate frisbee or it has to be for me ninja. You know, like. I was like, oh, to get strong, I have to go do a do a modality or a thing. Um, what my body really needed was honestly like things that looked a little bit more like physical therapy or maybe a little bit more like rehab just for a time. As I as I reconnected kind of my uh, connection with my body and my trust as I worked through f- like fear of injury and stuff like that. Um, and I would really honestly recommend working one on one with someone. 
um, yeah. either a trainer or a physical therapist just to get started. Yeah. Um, just to kind of have some outside person on your team as you kind of make those connections again. Um, and then the next thing is, you know, after you've established that trust and you can kind of sense what's going on in your body, don't be afraid to go move. So it's a, it's walking a fine line between being foolhardy and uh, maybe overdoing it and being so fearful you don't ever pursue anything because you're afraid of getting hurt. So finding that that balance point, right? And then maybe pushing the edge gently yeah. until you're able to grow in strength. And honestly, as strength comes, I think confidence comes. As a hypermobile person, you're like, I've put in the work to stabilize my shoulders. I know I can go do this high level ninja move, <laughs> like for example, or, or I can jump down from this box, whatever yes. it is. Or exactly. Or, or for me, I would, um, I climbed a tree again and oh, I hadn't done it since I was really young, but I felt the confidence in my body that I probably was going to be okay. Uh, and I could then jump off the bottom branch, albeit quite low, mm -hmm. but I did, I can do those things, yeah. um, which are pushing me slightly and enough for me. But I feel the confidence that my body's mm -hmm. not going to fall apart and I'm not going to yeah. have a huge flare up. And yeah. I do think you're absolutely right that confidence is kind of everything with movement. Mm -hmm. um, and when we fear it, it restricts us in far more ways that, than, than our body is actually. It, we can be hugely more capable even when we're mm -hmm. hypermobile. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're so right that it's got to be bit by bit. And I think people have a problem often with the level of consistency and the amount of time you need to put in mm -hmm. and certainly from my perspective my rehab felt very boring mm. very slow um and i felt like a bit of a fraud i did it mm. at a gym and i wanted to have a t-shirt that said don't judge me i'm in rehab because before yeah. you know i'd been like on the running machine which i hated but i still did it and mm -hmm. i was in a spin class and all of this stuff mm -hmm. which i didn't actually really enjoy but i was doing yeah. it because i had to be doing it but Mm -hmm. the rehab it was very grounding experience and uh, and, yeah. and I, so these things take time is what I'm yeah. trying to say I suppose yeah and you know it's hard to when you've been an athlete so in your case a runner my case a ninja athlete high level ninja athlete and then all of a sudden you're at the gym with like a resistance band and you see yes. all the cool stuff you used to be able to do. Yeah. And I think mentally, it's so easy to be like, I'm just never going to get back to that. I'm washed up. It's over. But just to like share my story, every single athletic accomplishment, the greatest accomplishments I've ever had have been on the other side of injury, pregnancy and diagnosis. Every single incredible thing I've accomplished has been on the other side of the three greatest setbacks I faced as an adult. And so that's just to say sometimes slow and steady works. And sometimes as you gain confidence and strength, your capability does expand. And that's so you put that so brilliantly. That's and it's it's so empowering and inspiring for people to hear that. Really. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Cause I think so many um, women dread pregnancy because, oh, it's going to ruin my body. And I'm like, I'm stronger than I've ever been. And postpartum is hard. And I'm still postpartum. I'm still doing all this work to recover and re-strengthen. I'm not saying it isn't hard, but it's not the end. Yeah. And it's not, um, we can be so much more positive with our framing. And I think if we, if we keep hope alive, like we can uh give a purpose to the work that needs to be done if we don't have hope we're not going to do the work you know yeah. but if we if we have like well maybe this this what does this make possible um then we can keep going and we can keep finding what we can do and find a new way yeah perfect yeah <laughs> and, for, and for seniors then so oh yes um so if someone is like hesitant to try this is that kind of what you want me to speak yeah. to Oh, well, it's same same kind of idea, right? How do like, you nudge people over the line? Um, so here's here's a thought. When we come into this world as a kid, you know, we're here, and it's kind of like this great big circle. And I've just noticed 
that we kind of return to this playfulness. We return to a, a youthfulness as we age. It, it, people just seem more open yeah. and more willing to to try things. Not everyone, but I, I've just noticed kind of this openness and willingness. So I encourage you to be open. Be curious. To find your inner openness yeah. and willingness. Yes. And even maybe find that inner child again. Like, be willing to play and find joy. And that might mean surprising yourself um, with with opportunities and movement. Um, being in your environment in a different way. Seeing a chair and instead of being like, I'm just going to sit in that chair, be like, I'm going to do a little turn vault on that chair. You know, like, what can you do? How can you use your stairs in a new way? Like we call it parkour vision. It just kind of opens up your world in a new way. So it's an invitation to just um, put a new layer of curiosity on life. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And curiosity is everything. And Mm -hmm. if you are curious, it means you're open then you'll find new things, the opportunities you will spot because you'll suddenly realize they are actually opportunities where before they might have passed you by because you didn't quite notice because mm-hmm. you're open to it and openness and curiosity is everything. Yeah. Which you certainly are. I can Yay! see. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for chatting with me today. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, so thank you I did so too. much for the time. Yeah. Thanks, Wendy. I always love hearing my guests' movement stories or learning from them about topics they're passionate about. I hope you've enjoyed listening, and if you have, you can help by doing three things. First, press the follow button to tell podcast platforms you want to listen again. Second, please give the show a five-star rating and leave a review about why you liked it. And third, I'd love you to share it with friends and family or on your socials, for which I'm truly thankful. Finally, if this podcast is making you want to start reclaiming your own movement, join me in the Reclaim Movement membership for classes, both live and by replay, and countless videos of mini movement breaks to add into your daily life, covering practical and fun, important natural movements. Visit reclaimmovement.co.uk forward slash membership to get started with your seven day free trial. See you for the next episode and thank you so much for listening.